Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 21st of June 2015, entitled, A Father's Greatest Attribute. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 24. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to be opening your Bibles for our scripture reading this morning, 1 John chapter 3. While you're turning there, I would like to wish all of our fathers a happy Father's Day today, the day that is set aside to commemorate and honor our fathers. We want to do that today, not only our physically earthly Father, which God himself tells us to honor, but of course our heavenly Father. Now you might say as we look into 1 John chapter 3, the preacher, we've looked at that passage, it's been part of the sermon for the last few Sundays. It has. We've been looking at the latter part of, uh, of this chapter, and, uh, but today we're going to be reading the whole chapter, but then focusing on the first verse there. But to get the context, let us uh, stand to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read 1 John chapter 3 at this time. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it kneweth him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that we, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Well, this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 
And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Father, we thank you so much for this privilege we have again today to be here in your house. Lord, thank you that we have health and strength to be here when others do not. Lord, thank you that we have a place to come to and the freedom to be able to do so. Thank you that as we gather here today that we know that you are here in our midst, living and dwelling within us. Thank you for your word that's before us, Lord, that you have preserved through the centuries. Thank you that that spirit that dwells within us, Lord, can take these words and make them alive into our hearts. For that we pray today. You know every individual here. You know every need. You know everyone, Lord, that is under the sound of this message today. We pray not for man's glory, not for man's wisdom, not for man's words, but we pray that you would do the work that you alone can do and for your glory and your glory alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. John begins writing here, of course, in the first verse of this chapter, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. There are many, many things can be seen in this passage, but as we look through all of it, we see that in actual fact that today, in this day that is set aside on the calendar to honor fathers, Father's Day. Now, God told us to honor our fathers, so that's not a bad thing, but it's certainly not something that we can do just by setting aside one day a year and sending them a card or doing something, and that's it. God wants our parents to be honored day by day in everything that we do every day of the year. Father's Day is not always easy for many, many different reasons. Because as we think upon our earthly fathers, there are all kinds of different memories, and for some, those memories are good, but for others, not so good, and for some, even bad. We know that in the earthly realm, that there are those fathers that would do their job in a way that would be described as good, while others may be described as bad or downright terrible or almost non-existent. We find that for some, their fathers are still here. And for some, those fathers are gone, like my own. So when we set aside a day to think upon something, it, it can be something that can affect people in different ways. I believe that it's still a good thing to honor our fathers and particularly this day to also be reminded of our heavenly fathers because he is the greatest example for the fathers that are here upon earth. He is our role model. He is what a father really ought to be. Sometimes people say, I have trouble relating to my heavenly father as a father because I have had such a bad experience with my earthly father. And yes, for some, that can be a barrier. But what we need to recognize as we look at our heavenly father is that he is he is the greatest example, and he does not fail us, and he does not get us wrong, and he loves us like a love that we have already sang about in several of the songs this morning that is just so vast, that is just so big, that is just beyond description. You see, most of us go through different phases when we think of fathers. <laughs> For a young child, dad is always best at everything, <laughs> I don't care what it is with his mates. My dad can do it better. My dad's the best. My dad can beat your dad. But of course, eventually, reality sets in. They recognize that their father's not infallible, that he's not the best at everything. Still, dad can hope to be remembered for something good in all of that at least. Eventually, those children grow up. And of course, as they grow up, sometimes they begin to actually understand and recognize 
how easy it is to make mistakes, how hard it is to be right all the time. Those children make mistakes as well. You see, parents and children alike often find it very hard to face our shortcomings, our failings, our imperfections. I know that as a parent, one of the one of the terrible fears is when you begin to actually see because you see what much of what we read about in this chapter when we're looking in the spiritual realm in our heavenly father is that there is a likeness. When you become a child of God, you are different. There are things that the world is going to see about you and they're going to recognize you. And you know, they may not like you for some of those things. And as we look right through this chapter time and again, we see how he ports out there's going to be a family resemblance. That's what the term Christian is all about, being like Christ. You see, sometimes in this world, we understand by just looking in the mirror that it's hard to deny the likeness between parents and children many times. The resemblances are strong, but it's not just in the physical in the actions, in the little things. And I think that's the hardest thing sometimes for us as parents is when we begin to recognize and see some of those same shortcomings that we have passed on to our children, <laughs> that we have taught them and everything, we haven't always got it right. And we have had good and bad influences upon them. It's hard for us to admit that we're wrong a lot of times. It's hard to admit that we've made the mistakes and we can do all kind of things by pretending that they're not there and pretending that we haven't done or, or try to diminish the importance of it in some way. <laughs> a letter written to a mom and a dad from a young lady that had gone off to university. If Amber ever tries to pull this, I don't promise that she'll ever make it back to Glasgow, no matter how much I love her. <laughs> but this young lady wrote, she says, Dear Mother and Dad, it's now been three months since I left for college. I've been remiss in writing, and I'm very sorry for the thoughtlessness in not having written before. I'll bring you up to date now, but before you read on, please sit down. Please do not read any further unless you are sitting down, Okay. Well then, I'm getting along pretty well now. The skull fracture and the concussion I got when I jumped out of the window of the dormitory when it caught on fire recently are pretty well healed now. I only spent two weeks in the hospital, and now I can see almost normally and only get those sick headaches once a day. Fortunately, the fire in the dormitory and my jump were witnessed by an attendant at the gas station near the dorm, and he was the one who called the fire department and the ambulance. He also visited me in the hospital, and since I had nowhere to live because of the burnout dormitory, he was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment with him. It's really a basement room, but it's kind of cute. He is a very fine boy, and we have fallen deeply in love and are planning to get married. We haven't set the exact date yet, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. Yes, mother and dad, I am pregnant. I know how much you're looking forward to being grandparents, and I, I know you will welcome the baby and give it the same love and devotion and tender care you gave me when I was a child. The reason for the delay in our marriage is that my boyfriend has some minor infection which prevents us from passing the premarital blood test, and I carelessly caught it from him. This will clear up with the penicillin injections I now take daily. I know you will welcome him into the family with open arms. He is kind, and although not well-educated, he is ambitious. Although he is of a different culture and religion than ours, I know your tolerance will not permit you to be bothered by the language barrier. I'm sure that you'll love him as I do. His family background is good too. 
He has learned ways from his parents to, to make money without actually working. Now that I have brought you up to date, folks, I want to tell you that there was no dormitory fire. I did not have a concussion or a skull fracture. I was not in the hospital. I am not pregnant. I am not engaged. I do not have syphilis, and there is no man in my life. However, I am getting a D in history and an F in science, and I wanted you to see those marks in the proper perspective. Your loving daughter, Janice. Sometimes we can go to great extremes to make our mistakes seem not so important in light of other things. But I say that, and though it be kind of funny, it's tough being a parent, but it's also tough being a child sometimes. We all get some things right, and we get some things wrong. I have a question, and this is the question I want you to think on today because our thought for today is a father's greatest attribute, a father's greatest attribute. Now, what will, and even though I'm speaking specifically to the fathers on this Father's Day, it is just as relevant for you ladies as well. And even if you're here today and maybe you don't have children of your own, there are those, as we've said many times, the children right here in the church that maybe you are a spiritual parent too. There are those that maybe don't have children yet, but that will someday. There are those that even if you never have children, you still fit in the equation because you're a child yourself of someone. We're part of families. We all have a responsibility, and it's not always easy, but my question today, Dad, to you is what will your children remember about you? What do you remember about your dad? What is or was your father's greatest attribute? Now, I know if he was a father... He made some mistakes. He may have made some big mistakes. He may have fell short in so many areas. But I'm asking you not where he fell. I'm asking you now, what was his greatest quality? I'm asking you to put aside the failings and just think about what meant the most to you out of everything about him. What attribute stands out above all the others and I believe will never be taught by anything else. What is it that above all else? I mean, we can be the greatest at a lot of things, just like our kids think that we are when they are small. We can excel beyond all expectations that everybody just looks and wow, what a father he is. What a great job. What a great person. We can be recognized and remembered for many things. But I want to suggest to you today that there is one attribute that is so far beyond all the others that it's not even a contest. It's not even a questionable. There's no question about it whatsoever. A father's greatest attribute without question is a father's love. And we also, without question, have the greatest example of a father's love given to us in Scripture. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. <laughs> Maybe you're too much like your dad. The world don't want anything to do with you. You see, there's two words there I want you to just draw your attention to. Behold. What does it mean? Behold. It means that we're about to look at something important. It means that something here should get our attention. It means there's something very important about to follow. Behold. What manner? What manner 
what characteristic, what quality, what kind of love that we are looking at. You see, I remember one of the things that I was taught very early, even as a young child, because where I come from, there's a lot of level railroad crossings. And of course, there are great danger when you come up to one of those crossings. And there's always these big X's that, that are on, on, on a sign there back where I come from. And at most of them, there are these red flashing lights up on a pole. And in many of them, just like here, there are barriers that come down or close when the trains are coming by to keep people from proceeding. And we were taught something very early in school when you come to a railroad crossing, always, always, always stop, look, and listen. Stop, look, and listen. Pay attention. All these things are, are to let you know there's something important. Pay attention. Whether it's the barriers or the lights or the big signs, stop, look, and listen. And that's really the idea of what John is saying here in this verse, pay attention. Stop, look, and listen at the kind of love that our Father has bestowed, has poured, has given to you. Just look at it. Just look at this love. John MacArthur in his New Testament commentary says this. He said, God loves with a love that is impossible to articulate in any human language. It is utterly foreign to normal human understanding and experience. This is agape love. God's volitional love that he, of his own free and uninfluenced choice, has bestowed on all whom he's called to savingly believe in Jesus Christ. Isn't that how this chapter finishes? <laughs> This is his commandment to you, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to love one another. We've looked at that verse in chapter 16 of this chapter a couple of times in recent weeks. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Here is how that we see the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love hath no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I'd like us to consider this fact that a father's greatest attribute, his greatest quality the greatest thing about him is his love. You see, a father has many attributes, and those attributes all make him who he is. And so it is with God the Father. There are many, many important attributes about God that we could speak of, and they all make him who he is. But I'm saying with all of those and as important as they are, none is greater than this. As our Heavenly Father, this is His greatest attribute. And as fathers on this earth, it must be our greatest attribute if we are in any remote way to be successful fathers. All else really stems from this. It is a father's love exemplified by God the Father, the only perfect father, that we're being specifically directed to pay attention to here in this passage before us. Pay attention. Stop. Look. Listen. Just look at the kind of love that the Father has loved us with. You see, the Father's love, first of all, is an unusual love. We compare lots of things and all kind of loves, but I want you to know that a Father's love is an unusual love. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon who? Upon us. 
The Father's love is unusual because of where it's directed. Some things are easy to love. But Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's unusual because if his love had maybe been directed to his angels in heaven, then maybe that would be more understandable. If his love were even directed to some of his beautiful creatures that he's created, maybe we could even understand that better. But God's love is directed towards us. It's directed towards mankind, the very one that hated him so much that he would one day nail him to a cross and crucify him. You see, how could man possibly be the object of God's love. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're wicked. We're all sinners from birth and by choice. We willingly break God's laws. We choose to be disobedient. He tells us right here in our reading in verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. We know what God's law is, but yet we choose to break it. Wicked, willful, and wanton. <laughs> you know what the word wanton means? Lustful, malicious. Licentious is another word that's used in Scripture sometimes. Folks, we're not good. There's nothing good about us. Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. All our attempts at goodness will fall horribly short when we compare it to the holiness and righteousness of God. You see, when you really stop and look and listen and think about it, it's absolutely astounding that the Father's love is directed to such an unlovable lot as us. <laughs> he loves us when we're totally unlovable. He loves us when we're completely undeserving. That's the Father's love. It's an unusual love because of where it's directed, but also because of what it demanded. You see, there's no other love that's ever demanded quite so much as our Father's love did. The Father's love is a love that gives and gives and gives and sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices. The more a person loves, the more a person gives. How much did God love us? so much that he gave all that he had. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In verse 16 of our reading, we read already, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, hereby perceive we we see God's love in action. His love was so unusual, so unusually great that Christ's death on the cross is the greatest manifestation ever of love. While we were rebellious, despicable, unlovable sinners, he loved us so much that he died for us. He loved us so much that he wanted us to be able to come to God the Father and experience a relationship like no other, to know God in heaven as our Father, to be his child, to have peace with the one that we had betrayed and, and turned against, to be his children and actually become heirs of his promises, join heirs with Christ. He says, behold, what manner of love 
the Father has bestowed upon us. What manner of love did the Father bestow upon us? He bestowed us with an unusual love that is seen by the kind of sacrifice that it demanded. If you turn back just a few pages in your Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says there, beginning in verse 21, he says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who do no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. He did no sin. No guile was found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You see, he was the perfect sacrifice. Look back across the page in chapter 1. What he says in verse 18 and 19, see, he says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversations, received by tradition from your fathers, none of that did it. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, the precious blood of Christ, a perfect sacrifice, a precious sacrifice, the prophet Isaiah, he said in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10 and 11, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord, Jehovah God, the Father God. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It pleased the Lord. Well, that, that's, just, <laughs> that's just beyond our comprehension. That's why that a father's love is such an unusual love because of where it was directed and because of what it demanded. A perfect, precious, pleasing sacrifice. Oh, today we need to pay attention. Stop, look, listen at the kind of love that the Father has loved us with. Maybe your earthly father has failed you. Maybe... You haven't known and experienced that love, but he's saying today, pay attention. Stop, look, listen at how the heavenly Father has loved you. Look. No matter what love you might have experienced in this life, this love is unusual beyond all others because of who he loved and because of how he loved. The Father's love is certainly an unusual love, but I want you to see something else here. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It's not only an unusual love. Let me say to you today, it is an unconditional love that we should be called the sons of God. Do you know what the word unconditional means there? It means not to be limited by any conditions, to be absolute. His love is an absolute love. Salvation is conditional, but God's love is unconditional. You see, salvation is conditional upon whether you accept and receive the love of God that he has shown to you. But God loves us unconditionally. Whether we place our trust in him or not, for God so loved the world that he gave. He commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
You see, the Father's love is unconditional in that it is an undeserved love. None of us deserve to be loved by God so many times. We beat up on ourselves in this life because we don't feel like we deserve someone's love. Well, none of us deserve God's love. None of us deserve to be loved by God, and yet we are. God's love is not just for a certain group of individuals. He doesn't just love those who are lovable. <laughs> he doesn't just love the ones that's easy to love. He just doesn't love the ones that will do something good for him. His love is offered to all, to all mankind. You see, the Father loves all of his creation. An earthly father should take that example to love equally, unconditionally, all that comes from his seed. God the Father does. He does not love only the ones who love him. <laughs> He loves even those that are totally unlovely and unloving. <laughs> he loves those that rebel against him and reject him. They reject his love even. He loves those that are so self-centered and selfish that they care about nothing else or anybody else. He loves the ones who love him not. It's an undeserved love. Because you see, his love is unconditional he loves the undeserving, but he also, it's an unconditional love because it's an unearned love. The Father hath bestowed upon us. It is an undeserved love that the Father hath bestowed upon us. It is an unearned love. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less than he already does. He loves you with a bigger love than you can even imagine, a perfect love, his full love. The Father's love was bestowed, it was given, it was bequeathed to us. We didn't earn it. We can never earn it. It's not a reward for something that we've done. Our Father doesn't love us more because that we obey him. It makes it a lot easier. I know. <laughs> it's great when the children obey. But you see, I don't love my children more because they obey me. We obey him because we love him. Our children obey because they love, not to earn that love. He rewards us for our obedience, but it's impossible. It's not anything that can possibly make God love us more. He loves every individual freely, fully, and completely. God loves us not because we're lovable, but because he is love. God is love. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less because he loves you perfectly, completely, and infinitely. The Father's love. It is an unconditional love that loves the undeserving, that is completely unearned, and it's unconditional in that it is an unreciprocated love. It is an unreciprocated love the Father hath bestowed upon us. God didn't love us in return for our love for him. You see, we reciprocate love for something when something loves us and we love it back. Well, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, the next chapter, verses 8 to 10, he says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God took all the initiative. We only love him because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. See, as children, 
we can, in turn, love the Father and others he's teaching us here, but only because the Father loved us first. Pay attention. Stop, look, listen. Look at the kind of love the Father has loved us with. The Father's love is an unusual love. It's an unconditional love. But I want you to see finally that the Father's love is a universal love. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 17 to 19 says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, the Father's love knows no boundaries. The love of God reaches to the utmost bounds of humanity. The great departed preacher, Dr. J. Harold Smith, he often made the statement, God not only saves to the uttermost, but he saves to the guttermost. He not only saves to the uttermost, but he saves to the guttermost. He can save a man in upper society or he can save a man at the lowest spot possible on this earth. Dr. Oliver B. Green used to pray this prayer before he began his message many times as an evangelist. God, save that soul who is nearest hell. Save that soul who is about to pass the point of no return. Save that soul that needs saving the most while there's still opportunity. You see, it doesn't matter where a person is. God's love knows no boundaries. It can reach anywhere. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, Of whom I am chief. How be it? For this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should thereafter believe on him to life everlasting. God's love, it knows no boundaries. Father's love also knows no barriers. Well, we have a lot of barriers in this life, don't we? Many of you have Brother Steve mentioned in, in, in the Bible study time this morning Many would have seen on the news this past Wednesday in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, where a young man goes into a church and literally sits there for an hour in this Bible study with them, with a Bible, and then gets up and shoots, kills, I think it's something like nine people that have lost their lives as a result. You see, many people believe that that was possibly Racially motivated, culturally motivated, all kind of, what made this, what is he, 21, I think, year old young man, what could make him do such a thing? You see, God's love has no barriers. It crosses all barriers, whether they're social or racial or economical or political or cultural, and yes, even religious ones. These barriers sometimes get in our way and, and we find it hard to, to get beyond those things. But may I say to you, the Father's love, it knows no boundaries. The Father's love is a universal love that goes beyond all boundaries and breaks down every barrier regardless of who you are, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you might have done. The Father's love reaches you greatest attribute any father can ever have is to love his children. Pay attention. Stop, look, listen. Fathers, we've all failed. 
There's a lot of things, boy, I wish I could go back and do them different and do them over. <laughs> We've heard many times that, you know, that <laughs> about the time you kind of start getting some of the answers, <laughs> you've gotten to the end of it. We never quit learning. We never quit growing. But behold, pay attention. Look at just the kind of love that our Heavenly Father has loved us with. That unusual love. It's unusual because of where it's directed to us in the first place, because of what it demands in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is an unconditional love that is undeserved, unearned, unreciprocated. It is a universal love that knows no boundaries, that knows no barriers. I hope today that on this Father's Day, that you'll pause and think on a father's greatest attribute, his love. And that you can be reminded of just how special that a father's love really is. I hope that as we look at our heavenly father's love, the way that he loved us, all oh, that you can at least get a glimpse maybe of your earthly father's love and what it should be like. I know that at its best, your earthly father's love is going to be imperfect. <laughs> it's going to be flawed. It'd be lucky if it can even be a shadow in comparison of our heavenly father's love. But nonetheless, with all of his failings and weaknesses, his greatest attribute as a father is his love for you. I also hope that for all the fathers here today, that you would be reminded, and maybe you're not a father yet, but will be someday. I hope you'll be reminded of the greatest example of a father's love and what a father's love ought to be. We can do a lot of things. We can do a lot of good things and have a lot of good qualities that are attributed to being a good father. But there is no attribute that you can possess. There is no attribute that you can offer your children that's greater than a father's love. I further hope that for anyone today that's never experienced the reality of a father's love. Maybe you've never experienced it in the earthly realm, and sadly, there are always some that that's the case because as human beings, we're sinners and we mess it all up. But I hope you'll be reminded today of what a father's love really is, that even if you've been failed here, oh, you've got a heavenly father that loves you so much that it's beyond expression. Pay attention. Stop. Look, listen, look at the kind of love that your father has loved you with. You can deny it. You can shun it. You can reject it. But you can't change it. You can't change it. The heavenly father loves you. His love for you is so unusual that words can never fully describe it. He loved you so much that he paid the ultimate sacrifice to show it. His love for you is so unconditional that you can't do anything to stop it. You can't make him not love you, and he loves you so much that it's impossible for him to love you anymore. His love for you is so universal that you can't get away from it. Final verse I'd like to share with you is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The question today is not whether your heavenly Father loves you. It's really a matter of whether you love Him. No matter what else your Father may have gotten right or wrong or what else He may have 
given you or not given you. Have you experienced a father's love from an earthly father? If so, have you told him how grateful you are for that? Have you, rather than focusing upon all of his failures, have you thanked him for just loving you? Even though I know even our love is imperfect. You see, so many have never known an earthly father. So many have never known that earthly love. No matter what else, you should be grateful for that attribute. If he's loved you at all, please take the time to tell him. And no matter what else you may have experienced or not experienced in life, no matter what kind of love that you may or may not have been loved with down here, oh, today I want you to know one thing is certain. You have a heavenly father that has loved you like no other and whose love for you is unquestionable. Just pay attention. Stop, look, listen at the kind of love that your father has loved you with. How will you respond to that love today? Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we have looked into scriptures that Lord, on this day that we've just looked at this simple picture, Lord, of just wonderful love that you have bestowed upon us, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. We're so unlovable. Thank you for loving us enough to pay the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so unconditionally when we know we don't deserve it. We know that we can never earn it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that that love knows no boundaries, knows no barriers. Nobody can take it away. Nobody can break it down. Your love is total. Your love is complete. Your love is perfect. Your love is infinite. Father, maybe those here today, or maybe they have in their own hearts, maybe they've had struggles because of a relationship with an earthly father. Maybe they need to take steps to rectify that. Father, there may be some here today that maybe even never known or may never know those earthly fathers. But one thing is certain, I pray that everyone here today would recognize that, Lord, you have loved them unconditionally. You love them right now. Lord, they can reject that love. They can turn against it here today. They can leave here without responding to it. They can receive it. They can accept it. They can love you in return because you first love them. Speak to hearts. Help each and every individual to do what they need to do today. When we leave this place, we're in the rightful relationship with our Heavenly Father. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <music> 